Welcome to Tuesdays with Merton. My name is Teresa Sandock. I'm a Servite sister and a member of the Tuesdays with Merton Planning Committee, along with Daniel Horan and Ellen Culp. Dan is a Franciscan friar and director of the Center for Spirituality at St. Mary's College in Notre Dame, Indiana. Ellen is a faculty in residence at Baldwin Wallace, Wallace University and former holder of the university's chair in Faith and Life. He also serves on the board of directors of the International Thomas Merton Society. Tuesdays with Merton is co-sponsored by the International Thomas Merton Society and the Center for Spirituality at St. Mary's College. The webinars are aired on the second Tuesday of each month. Please note that we are recording this session. It will be available on YouTube and as a podcast soon after the live event. And now it is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Julianne Wallace. Julianne is Vice President for Mission at St. Mary's College, the site of the 2023 ITMS General Meeting. She holds a Doctor of Ministry and Educational Leadership from Virginia Theological Seminary, a Master of Theological Studies in Word and Worship from Washington Theological Union, and a Bachelor's in Music Performance from the University of Mary Washington. She collaborated with Dan Horan on the book, Spirit and Life, A Franciscan Guide for Spiritual Reflection. She is a fan of Francis and Merton. This evening's presentation reflects her own personal affinity with each of these messengers of peace. Here now is Dr. Julianne Wallace presenting A Liturgy for Our World in the Voices of Merton and Francis. Julianne. Thank you so much, Teresa. It's great to be here tonight. Good evening to everyone. I am usually on the other side uh, with my screen off with Tuesdays with Merton. So this is a little bit different for me, but I'm very happy to be here and share with you something that's also a little bit different for our Tuesdays with Merton. I'm a liturgist by trade. I started my uh, ministry career as a liturgist and I love creating liturgies or some might consider them paraliturgies. So tonight is just my own creativity and action and blending the words of Merton and Francis together. A couple of things as we begin. Uh, in the chat box, a worship aid will be posted. It will be a PDF worship aid. You're more than welcome to open that up and follow along. I know some people like to know where they are in the service, what's happened, what's coming ahead. How long is this going to take? Um, but if you also don't want to look at the worship aid, you don't need it in order to fully enter into this liturgy. Another uh, way that you can participate is you're all muted and there will be times for music. You're more than welcome to sing along with the music. The music will appear on the screen. So feel free to, to actively participate from wherever you are, even if you're on a subway train, maybe people need to hear the music that will be playing. So feel free to join along and sing. I'm also very pleased tonight to have faculty, staff, students, and Sisters of the Holy Cross from St. Mary's College here in Notre Dame, Indiana. As Teresa said, we are very excited to have the general meeting this coming June. And I just wanted to give you a preview of what all of you could experience if you come and join us in June. You'll also, the music that you will be hearing tonight will be from our Church of Loretto handbell ringers, uh, which we'll get to see the Church of Loretto when we come for the general meeting, and also our student music ministry singers. 
uh, have done some of the recording. So we thank them. They might not be here with us tonight, but we are grateful for their voices and song. So with that, I will ask you to take a moment and recognize that we are always and already in the presence of God. Good and loving God, we gather in prayer, looking forward together, seeking peace and unity among all people. We trust in your guidance, knowing that the way forward may be unclear. We rest in your mercy, knowing that we may not have always loved as we ought. And we cry out for your grace, knowing that our own strength may not be enough. Give us patience amidst disagreement and urgency for justice. Give us the courage to dialogue without becoming destructive and give us all true faith, certain hope and perfect charity, sense and knowledge. May we seek pathways to peace. May we love without limits and may the kingdom of God be made real in our midst. Amen. Oh,
The contemplative life is then the search for peace, not in abstract, abstract exclusion of all outside reality, not in a barren negative closing of the senses upon the world, but in the openness of love. It begins with the acceptance of my own self in my poverty and my nearness to despair in order to recognize that where God is, there can be no despair and God is in me even if I despair. That nothing can change God's love for me since my very existence is the sign that God loves me and the presence of his love creates and sustains me. Nor is there any need to understand how this can be or to explain it or to solve problems it seems to raise. For there is in our hearts and in the very ground of our being a natural certainty which is coextensive with our very existence. A certainty that says that insofar as we exist, we are penetrated through and through with the sense and reality of God, even though we may be utterly unable to believe or experience this in philosophic or even religious terms. Gracious and merciful God, enlighten our minds and guide our feet on the path of peace, that peace which surpasses all understanding. It is that peace which our Lord Jesus Christ proclaimed and granted us. It was this message of peace which our Father Francis announced over and over, proclaiming it at the beginning of all of and end of all of his sermons. Every greeting of his became a wish for peace, and in every experience of contemplation, he sighed for an ecstatic peace. He was like a citizen of that Jerusalem about which the man of peace, who was peaceable even with those who despised peace, says, pray for those things that are for the peace of Jerusalem. For he knew that it is only in peace that the throne of Solomon exists, since it is written, his place is in peace and his dwelling is in Zion.
Go tell the earth to shake, and tell the thunder to wake the sky, and tear the clouds apart. Tell my people to come out and wonder where the old world is gone, for a new world is born, and all my people shall be one. So tell the earth to shake with marching feet of messengers of peace, proclaim my law of love to every nation, every race. For the old wrongs are over, the old days are gone. A new world is rising where my people shall be one. So tell the earth to shake with marching feet of messengers of peace. Proclaim my law of love to every nation, every race. And say the old wrongs are over, the old ways are done. There shall be no more hate and no more war. My people shall be one. So tell the earth to shake with marching feet of messengers of peace. Proclaim my law of love to every nation, every race. For the old world is ended, and the old sky torn apart. A new day is born. They hate no more. They do not go to war. My people shall be one. So tell the earth to shake with marching feet of messengers of peace. Proclaim my law of love to every nation, every race. There shall be no more hate and no more oppression. The old wrongs are done. My people shall be one. Almighty, eternal, just, and merciful God, Grant us in our misery the grace to do for you alone what we know you want us to do and always desire what pleases you. Thus, inwardly cleansed, interiorly enlightened, and inflamed by the fire of the Holy Spirit, may we be able to follow in the footprints of your beloved Son, our Jesus Christ. And by your grace alone, May we make our way to you, Most High, who live and rule in perfect trinity and simple unity, and our glorified God, all-powerful forever and ever. Amen.
If humanity really wanted peace, they would sincerely ask God for it, and God would give it to them. But why should God give the world a peace which it does not really desire? The peace the world pretends to desire is really no peace at all. To some people, peace merely means the liberty to exploit other people without fear of retaliation or interference. To others, peace means the freedom to rob brothers or sisters without interruption. To steal others, it means the leisure to devour the goods of the earth without being compelled to interrupt their pleasures to feed those whom their greed is starving. And to practically everybody, peace simply means the absence of any physical violence that might cast a shadow over lives devoted to the satisfaction of their animal appetites for comfort and pleasure. Many people like this have asked God for what they thought was peace and wondered why their prayer was not answered. They could not understand that it actually was answered. God left them with what they desired, for their idea of peace was only another form of war. The Cold War is simply the normal consequence of our corruption of peace on a policy of every man for him himself in ethics, economics, and political life. It is absurd to hope for a solid peace based on fictions and illusions. So instead of loving what you think is peace, love other people and love God above all. And instead of hating the people you think are warmongers, Hate the appetites and the disorder in your own soul, which are the causes of war. If you love peace, then hate injustice, hate tyranny, hate greed. But hate these things in yourself, not in another. Therefore, let nothing impede us, nothing separate us, nothing come between us. Wherever we are in every place, at every hour, at every time of the day, every day and continually, 
let us all of us truly and humbly believe hold in our heart and love honor adore serve praise and bless glorify and exalt magnify and give thanks to the most high and supreme eternal god who without beginning and end is unchangeable invisible indescribably ineffable incomprehensible unfathomable blessed praiseworthy glorious exalted supply sublime most high gentle lovable delightful and totally desirable above all else forever amen Throughout my adult life, I have struggled immensely with anxiety, probably like most people. <laughs> this anxiety is not debilitating, but it definitely affects my ability to live fully from my authentic self and to be a person who is at peace and to be a person who exudes peace. As I've grown to know myself better, worked with mental health professionals and have developed a number of, I have developed a number of tools and tricks to help manage my anxiety as most of us do. There is one particular mantra that I would like to share with you tonight that is my go-to anti-anxiety mantra or my little peace prayer, Julianne's little peace prayer. You could consider this prayer a mashup. And some of you may be too young to know what a mashup is, but they used to be really cool. And they were instances where two really famous artists would take two of their really popular songs and get together and mash them up or take a contemporary song 
and combine it with something from the 50s or 60s and then it would have it would be one full song a mashup and tonight's liturgy is really like a mashup of the greatest hits of Thomas Merton and Francis of Assisi two messengers of peace that I rely on throughout my life my peace mantra is kind of the origin of this mashup, mashup liturgy it is where there is rest and meditation, there is neither anxiety nor restlessness. Grant us to seek peace where it is found, and your will, O oh God, is our peace. Tonight, in this, just this brief little reflection, I'm going to walk you through why I have found peace uh, and a peaceful place from praying this mantra many, 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 many times. I'll start with Merton's contribution to the mantra, which is the second half of the prayer and which was our antiphon tonight. Grant us to seek peace where it is truly found and your will of God is our peace. Some of you may recognize this as the last lines of Merton's prayer for peace, which was written for Congress in April of 1962. Congressman Frank Kowalski, who was a Democrat from Connecticut, actually requested that Merton write this prayer so it could be proclaimed on the floor of Congress. Now, uh, you may not remember this because you may not have been born or you may have just forgotten, but what was going on 60 years ago in 1962 was the height of the Cold War. And the seeds of the Cuban Missile Crisis were germinating. They were on the precipice of what would become the Cuban Missile Crisis. So this was in Merton's mind as he was writing this prayer for peace. He was speaking to that climate of fear and war. And even though it is 60 years later, and this is something we all know about Merton, his eternal voice remains eerily relevant for our world today. As I said, above, I have always been particularly drawn to the last two lines of this prayer because it beckons God to help us seek peace, recognizing that only in God's will can true peace be found. But I must admit that when I began to pray these two lines, and they began with just these two lines, I hadn't yet combined them with Francis. I'll tell you about how that happens in a minute. But when I began to pray these two lines, it was almost a beginner's view or a novice's view. I would rely on it to say, okay, I'm just going to pray this prayer and then everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be at peace. I'm going to give it to God. And it's a very passive action. The only active part was me praying the prayer. And then I would just lift it up and move on with my life. But as I grew into this prayer, I began to recognize that I must play an active part in this peace. I am called to be a messenger of peace. And that is where St. Francis comes in. Where there is rest and meditation, there is neither anxiety nor restlessness. Now, this is a part of an admonition of St. Francis of Assisi. Admonitions were short sayings that were based on a biblical, biblical source that provided a practical way to live out scripture in everyday life. Some scholars speculate that Francis wrote his admonitions, 28 of them, 
He wrote them to provide his brothers with a way to conduct themselves at community meetings. However, others say that Francis's admonitions were just another way in which Francis communicated his own understanding of the evangelical life. Admonition 27, which the line from my little mantra comes from, is one of my favorite admonitions. And in it, Francis instructs his brothers to live a life centered on virtues such as humility, poverty, and meditation, while banishing vices such as ignorance, disturbance, greed, and hardness of heart. Each verse challenges the listener to, to live out the gospel life in a simple yet profound way. Now the phrase that I lift up to you tonight speaks to me directly because it addresses an affliction that all of us face, all of us face, especially given the chaos of our lives. Francis urges us to seek places of rest and meditation. And from these places, no evil can come, there will be no anxiety, and there will be no fear. As I reflect on what it means to have a place of rest or to seek a place of rest, it's profound to me that just three years ago, we all had a collective worldwide opportunity to rest. And instead of focusing on that rest, we focused on how we can still do everything possible from the comfort of our own homes, which is normally a place many of us would consider a place of rest. I'm also reminded of this wonderful woman, her name is Trisha, Trisha Hersey. She's known as the Knapp Bishop, and she preaches a message of rest as resistance, as rest as curative to systematic injustices, to racism, as a corrective to capitalism. Her message is in all things we must rest. And this message of rest is essential to understanding the path to peace, where there is rest and meditation, there is neither anxiety nor restlessness. Now, eventually, after I had prayed these two phrases separately for quite a while, something clicked in my mind, the spirit moved, and I began to realize how rest and meditation and contemplation are innately connected to our ability to seek peace. So I began to do what all the cool pop stars do. I'm sure I used to be cool at some moment in my life, but I created a mashup of this little prayer. And actually, you're the first people that have ever shared with you this little prayer practice that I do. Through a time of contemplation or rest and meditation, I have the ability to seek that peace out and I have the ability to become a messenger of peace. Where there is rest and meditation, there is neither anxiety nor restlessness. Grant us to seek the peace that is truly found in your will, O oh God, is our peace. Now, this seems very simple and straightforward. 
especially for people who are Merton scholars or Franciscan scholars, or even people who've just read a little bit of Merton or Francis. Of course, we need rest and contemplation to have peace, to be a messenger of peace. But if this is such a simple and obvious relationship, why is peace so hard to experience in our world? Why is it so hard to be a messenger of peace? Seeking peace is not without resistance. Seeking peace involves exploring challenging places, having difficult conversations, and realizing the complexity of relationships. Seeking peace is often inherently connected with the ability to give up control over something or someone. And no one really likes to give up control. Seeking peace means letting go. Furthermore, to be at peace with oneself is pretty difficult, as Merton describes in New Seeds of Contemplation when he talks about the true and false selves. But to be at peace with the world around us seems like an even more insurmountable task as displayed in Merton's prayer for peace that we will hear in just a moment. So this mantra is both simple and complex. It helps me in the moment. It helps me reset and recognize when I need to rest and when I need that peace. But it is also a continual challenge to come back to that rest and to seeking that peace. So as we move forward in prayer tonight, I would ask you, when did you last rest? Not sleep, sleep is good, but when did you give your soul a rest? When did you last feel peace or feel at peace with yourself and the world around you? And how can you, in your own small way, become a messenger of peace? This is Merton's prayer, which was read in the House of Representatives on April 12th, 1962, the Wednesday of Holy Week. Almighty and merciful God, Father of all men, creator and ruler of the universe, Lord of history, whose designs are inscrutable, whose glory is without blemish, whose compassion for the errors of men is inexhaustible, in your will is our peace. Mercifully hear this prayer, which rises to you from the tumult and desperation of a world in which you are forgotten, in which your name is not invoked, your laws are derided, and your presence is ignored. Because we do not know you, we have no peace. From the heart of an eternal silence, you have watched the rise of empires and have seen the smoke of their downfall. You've seen Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Greece, and Rome, once powerful, carried away like sand in the wind. You have witnessed the impious fury of 10,000 fratricidal wars in which great powers have torn whole continents to shreds in the name of peace and justice. And now our nation itself, 
stands in imminent danger of a war, the like of which has never been seen. This nation dedicated to freedom, not power, has obtained through, through freedom a power it did not desire. And seeking by that power to defend its freedom, it is enslaved by the processes and policies of power. Must we wage a war we do not desire, a war that can do us no good and which our very hatred of war forces us to prepare? The day of ominous decision has now dawned on this free nation. Armed with the titanic weapon and convinced of our own right, we face a powerful adversary armed with the same weapon, equally convinced that he is right. In this moment of destiny, this moment we never foresaw, we cannot afford to fail. Our choice of peace or war may decide our judgment and publish it in an eternal record. In this fatal moment of choice, in which we might begin the patient architecture of peace, we may also take the last step across the rim of chaos. Save us then from our obsessions, open our eyes, dissipate our confusions, teach us to understand ourselves and our adversary. Let us never forget that sins against the law of love are punished by the loss of faith, and those without faith stop at no crime to achieve their ends. Help us to be masters of the weapons that threaten to master us. Help us to use our science for peace and plenty, not for war and destruction. Show us how to use atomic power to bless our children's children, not to blight them. Save us from the compulsion to follow our adversaries in all that we most hate, confirming them in their hatred and suspicion of us. Resolve our inner contradictions, which now grow beyond belief and beyond bearing. They are at once a torment and a blessing. For if you had not left us the light of conscience, we would not have to endure them. Teach us to be long-suffering in anguish and insecurity. Teach us to wait and trust. Grant light, grant strength and patience to all who work for peace. To this Congress, our president, our military forces, and our adversaries. Grant us prudence in proportion to our power, wisdom in proportion to our science, humaneness in proportion to our wealth and might, and bless our earnest will to help all races and peoples to travel in friendship with us along the road to justice, liberty, and lasting peace. But grant us above all to see that our ways are not necessarily your ways, that we cannot fully penetrate the mystery of your designs and that the very storm of power now raging on this earth reveals your hidden will and your inscrutable decision. Grant us to see your face in the lightning of this cosmic storm. O God of holiness, merciful to all. Grant us to seek peace where it is truly found. In your will, O God, is our peace. And as we close tonight, I will chant be our father and I invite you all to, to sing with me from your homes. And then I will pray the blessing of St. Leo and we'll conclude this prayer with uh, a little song in the words of Francis of Assisi. So let us pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We May the Lord bless you and guard you. May he show his may he show you his face and have mercy on you. May he turn his face to you and give you peace. May the Lord bless you. Amen. I think I'm going to pass it over to Alan now. Yeah. <laughs> I was rather enjoying my role of participating in the liturgy. <laughs> wow, that was really a, a very moving experience. Um, and it got it got sneakily deep in the beginning. <laughs> it was uh, it was it was going along. I, I appreciated one, your willingness to do something that's a little different than what most of us do, um, a little research, and then we um, jump into some kind of lecture format. So I appreciate what you've done. Um, appreciate what you and Dan and others managed to do with the glitch. Those are inevitable and um, you did it with some real grace. So once you're in one, then the whole audience is thinking, oh my gosh, how are we gonna get out of this rascal? So you did it well. Um, I, I really appreciate the liturgical approach to peace because it, it's appeal to both our affective side as well as our cognitive side. And um, <clears throat> I think that's a really effective way of doing it. There are many places we could go, but I would like to stay with the theme of peace for a little bit. Um, I, I appreciate the fact that you were able to set the story up in the beginning. It was clear the theme was peace. <laughs> I didn't know what else would come. But then I thought it was really effective as you were able to share about your own personal story of anxiety 
and how you use prayer to move towards what I would call a work of peace, a kind of personal peace, if you will. Yeah. And then you were able to leverage that in a direction that goes back and picks up all of the um, prayers and and music about peace. So I'm intrigued about how one uses that personal experience of a quest for peace then into the bigger world and i can think either on the global context or in the regional one and it's certainly timely now unfortunately with the ukrainian thing and how the last couple of days that's gotten hot again mm -hmm. And I, I'm thinking about, can I be personally at peace and yet anxious for peace in the world? So I'm interested in playing around with personal peace and the anxiety I feel in some ways, the helplessness when mm -hmm. I hear and watch the story out of Ukraine. So can you reflect a bit on maybe that theme of personal peace and yet appropriate anxiety for the larger piece in the world or in the region? Yeah, um, I can reflect. I can give no answers. <laughs> I think for for me, when I think about the, the pursuit of peace on the personal level, and, and Merton talks about this, and Francis in some points uh, talks about this pursuit of peace must begin with ourselves. It can't begin from something outside. And a true messenger of peace cannot go and make peace with someone else if they aren't at first at peace with oneself. And that's really hard when you think, it's, it's difficult when you think of global issues because what can I do to make peace prosper between Ukraine and Russia right now? <laughs> What can this white middle-aged American woman, oh, I can't believe I just referred to myself as middle-aged. What can this white woman, you know, with no power whatsoever, what can I do for people who are suffering and for families who are being separated? And I think part of our personal prayer must be that question. What is one thing I can do? And it may, we may not ever reap the benefits of seeing what that prayer or that one little thing that we do, we may not see how that will flourish in the world. But I think the act of being committed to doing one thing or being spreading peace in the world in one way, maybe, maybe that's enough. And if other people see us doing that, then maybe it'll catch on. <laughs> that's very idealistic. Um, but I really believe that if we were to be in a world of constant state of peace, it begins with everyone being at peace with themselves. I'll also say that um, I'm kind of a nerd. Uh, I really love Doctor Who, and I've been re-watching Doctor Who recently, so I'm sorry all the people that are rolling your eyes, but maybe there are some Whovians out there. Um, <laughs> and, and, and maybe uh, people who, uh, judge of people who uh, uh, appreciate Kairos and Kronos will get this as well. But peace is not something that in my in mind, and I'm not a theologian of peace or a peace scholar, but it's not something that will be a stable state for all time. There are these little pockets of peace that we can access into. That stable state of peace at all time is the kingdom of God. And what we're doing here right now on this earth in this moment is trying to create 
a, a little pocket of that kingdom of God where we are in this time and place. And maybe one day if we all do those little pockets, we'll be in the kingdom and there will be global peace. But that's pretty idealistic. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And, and you provoke me to think, uh, you know, I, I'm a Quaker and, and we're, we've been seen as part of the peace tradition. And, yeah. and being a pacifist um, meant one thing in the 60s. And I am old enough to remember the 60s and um, never met Merton. But uh, to be a pacifist is not to be passive. Mm -hmm. And so you, you challenge me to think, what does it mean to be a pacifist in the context of this day that we're living in? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go to Ukraine, but what does it mean to be a pacifist? So that's a that's a good challenge. It's a good query for me to stay with. Mm -hmm. I want to switch yeah. gears, please, more. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Switch gears. I, I love it. To switch gears. Um, we could talk about peace for much longer, but given the way time gets away, I'm intrigued by the use of the music tonight because in most Tuesdays with Merton, we haven't had music. So that's a mm -hmm. that's a real bonus, a real add-on. Um, you wrote some of the music, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm interested because I can, you could give me the rest of the night and I couldn't write any music. So I'm interested in um, how you imagine the music to be a part of it, and maybe maybe this still is talking about peace. I don't know, but um, how do you get how do you get the inspiration or the sense for the music you write, and then and then the process by which you actually execute it? Mm -hmm. So I'm a musician, like that. That is primarily my my first gift from God, and the way I experience the world and the way I experience my relationship with God has always been through music. There are many other ways, like the words of Merton and Francis, but for me, that's like a, a, a foundational tenet to who I am. So as I was thinking about creating the service, there had to be music, and I have had the privilege of creating a lot of these different types of liturgies that may not be a mass or may not be a liturgy of the word, but there are a plethora of great settings of the words of Francis set to different texts, uh, to different music. And so I knew I was gonna use some of those and, and those tonight are, are um, by some different composers uh, that are available through the Franciscan Institute. The little antiphon that I created, which is not big, it's just eight measures. I'm by no means a composer. Um, that is not one of my gifts. I love to sing music that other people write, <laughs> but I, I just, I, there wasn't anything that I knew of set to music with that antiphon. And I wanted to use that antiphon so that you all who are here tonight might walk away and think about that phrase or have that phrase in your mind as a way of just sharing with you a part of my own pursuit of peace. And the way I created it was, yeah, I just prayed on it. And, and two different versions came out in my mind. One was a very, you know, different traditional chant version. If, if you're Roman Catholic, you know, grant us to seek peace where peace is found in your will is our peace. You know, something very traditional like that, which I thought would have been wonderful. But since I was incorporating some chant from earlier in the service with the opening verse, I decided to do something a little more contemporary. Um, and I was just, it, you know, it just came out. And I didn't even do any other versions. It took 10 minutes to do it. It took longer to write it in finale <laughs> than it did to actually come up with it. 
and it was a, a total work of the spirit and probably just my familiarity with the text because the the prayer and the song was probably already written on my heart before I even sat down at the keyboard. That's cool. I could, you could give me all you could give me all night and I wouldn't be able to do it. You did it. <laughs> well, any other time I've sat down to compose something that doesn't go so well. <laughs> so and it's just my little my little offering. Yeah, I'd like to mention that there's two or three wonderful, there are two or three wonderful comments in the chat box if people would like to to read those they should uh I, I won't take the time to read them i, I want to flag one last piece before i hand it over to um teresa i'm bouncing around my questions more tonight i, I was in, i was also intrigued with with the use of a place you mm -hmm. took us to assisi you took us to gethsemane and to saint mary's mm -hmm. in some ways all places i would associate with peace at least mm -hmm. the intentionality of it and so I began to think about the role of place and peace or place in the absence of peace. Again, the Ukraine is, is not a place of peace in, in that literal sense today. And obviously place can have a metaphorical example. And then I began to think about all the other places in the world. And I was thinking particularly of Jerusalem, mm -hmm. which in some ways is such a mixed bag because of the spiritual peacemaking which goes on there and yet the turmoil that we so often associate with that um and so I, i'm thinking about again back to the peacemaking or i loved your language being messengers of peace maybe that's what we could do in our own little way in our own little places they're not in the cc it's not in gethsemane you are at St. Mary's, I'm not. So um <laughs> you will be soon, hopefully. <laughs> soon, yes, next summer, right? <laughs> yes. So I, I'm just I'm I'm toying around with my uh, idea of a place and peace. Mm -hmm. And perhaps that goes back to your own um personal story about trying to find a place of peace in the in place of the anxiety. So comments and then we'll fill yeah. it. A couple things. One, using the places was very practical because I wanted to do some intentional silence and intentional silence over Zoom is difficult. Intentional silence in person is pretty difficult, but intentional silence over Zoom is even more difficult. And the idea of place came to me very easily, especially in thinking about spirituality of place. And I've had the privilege of going to both CZ and Gethsemane, and obviously I have the privilege to be here now. Um, but I think my understanding of the spirituality of place really comes from St. Bonaventure University, uh, which is uh, one of the places I, I worked for a while as a campus minister. That was the first place where I stepped onto the land and felt moved by something else, hmm. moved by the spirit, moved by the wind and um i remember sister margaret carney she's uh she's a former president uh, of saint bonaventure university and a wonderful franciscan sister she used to tell the students that it, it was there was something about the spirit and the land and understanding that that land um, was taken from its original owners but the native american people had blessed this land and we inherit that spirit in a way and that spirit um just per, per 
oh, I don't know what the word is. It just, it's all over. It consumes Permeated. us. Permeated. Thank you for the P word that I was looking for. It, it consumes us. And when I think about Assisi, when I walk in the footsteps of Francis and Claire and all the other Franciscan hearted people in the world, you could feel that peace. You can feel it in Gethsemane, and you'll be able to experience it in June when you come to the annual meeting. <laughs> but all joking aside, you know, St. Mary's uh, is is on land uh, that was originally the, the Pokagon uh, and Potawatomi and Miami tribes of Native Americans. And actually, the founders of, of Notre Dame, Soren uh, and uh, Mother Pauline, they, they did, and Mother Angela, they did a lot of work and ministry with the Native American communities early on. So that is written into our history and heritage. And I think it's important to speak about that and to recognize that, that the people here have prepared a place um, and, and we do it, we honor it by recognizing it as a place of peace and spreading that peace. <laughs> Thank you very much. Teresa? Oh my, well, Julian. I want to thank you so much for your creative weaving of prayer, music, and word into this evening's presentation. As you were speaking, I was, uh, when you gave your own personal reflection, I was reminded of that old philosophical principle that we cannot give what we do not have. Mm -hmm. And um, you, you emphasize that peace first has to be in us in order for us to be messengers of peace. And you also gave us some practical ideas of how we can create this peace in us through rest and meditation. And then I was thinking of the when uh, Ellen was uh, uh, presenting his thoughts, um, that out of that, uh, you know, what, what can we do? I think that is where we have to ask that question. What is ours to give? What is ours to do? And mm -hmm. perhaps out of that meditation, it will come. Anyway, that's just a little uh, reflection on, on your reflection. I also want to thank the people who helped you this evening, and that's Kurt Burring, Sister Taposi Gomez, Maggie McNabb, Susan Mancino, and Abby Wojtaszek. Uh, I want to thank Dan Horan and the Spirituality Center at St. Mary's College for providing the Zoom platform and technical support for Tuesdays with Merton. And of course, Alan Cope, he always amazes me with the way he's able to uh, find and draw out threads of the presentation that go so much deeper and broaden our understanding of what was uh, said by, and presented. Um, Bob Grip uh, posts our webinars on YouTube. Thank you, Bob. And you can expect the webinar to be up um, very soon. Mark Mead makes these, web, these webinars available as podcasts. So thank you, Bob and Mark. And I want to thank all of you for joining us today for, and for continuing to spread the good word about Tuesdays with Merton. You can find links to the recordings of previous webinars at merton.org ITMS. There you will also find information about the International Thomas Merton Society. If you are not already a member, we invite you to consider joining. And we also welcome donations to support Tuesdays with Merton. Registration is now open for next month's webinar when our own Ellen Cope will speak on Partners in the General Dance of the Spirit, Thomas Merton and Ilya Delio Evolving into the Grandeur of God. To register, go to merton.org slash ITMS. So for now, goodbye, stay safe, 
and we look forward to seeing you in November.